TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to a place of wellness and healing for both your body and mind. Get ready to live a happy, healthy, whole food life that totally rocks. You're listening to Shiny Healthy You, the straight-talking natural health show for busy women, with your host and naturopath, Jules Galloway. I first met today's guest online the same way that I've met some of my greatest friends. I know it sounds shady, but when you have an online business, you meet lots of cool people. Well, online. I followed this particular woman's journey around the globe as she went on a quest to find happiness, and I was awestruck by her ability to kite surf, and it looked like she was living the dream. Little did I know that she was coming back from adrenal failure and complete burnout. She's been through all of that now and has learned some valuable lessons about deep, deep self-care, so much so that she's written a book about it, and you'll love the title. It's called Smart Girls Screw Up Too. So without further ado, let's pick our brains about health, happiness, and having the life that you crave. Please welcome to the show the very awesome Bella Zanesco. Yeah. Hey, Jules. How are you going? I'm awesome. How are you today? I'm really good. Thank you. The sun's shining, the wind's blowing, and uh, I'm sitting here talking to you, so it can't get much better. Well, if the wind's blowing, I'm very, very honoured that you chose us over kite surfing today, my love. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, you've got so many juicy tidbits in that amazing, beautiful brain of yours. I almost don't know where to start, but let's go back a little bit and let's have a chat about where you've come from because you were a very high achieving business exec. To the untrained eye, at some point, you know, when you're working for some of those huge, huge companies, it would have looked like you had it all. So what was going wrong? I think uh, I just woke up at some point in my mid-30s and realised that I was so out of alignment with um, what truly mattered to me. And I realised when you know, staying in five-star hotels and getting amazing perks and, you know, solving, you know, some pretty superficial business-related challenges, I realised that it wasn't really tapping a core need to tap deeply into something that really mattered to my soul. And uh, so I realised, you know, that I wasn't happy. I had a great title. I had a great car. I had lots of cash. And uh, all of those things just seem to not really matter in the scheme of things anymore because what I really wanted was no way near in my path. And so were you getting warning signs along the way or did it just hit you all at once at the end? No, I was definitely getting warning signs along the way, probably for about three or four years. Um, I was suffering from, you know, a bunch of different ailments around, um, you know, physical health problems like back pain, um, other physical health challenges like irritable bowel syndrome, mental health challenges around my self-worth and self-belief, um, not eating the right foods, drinking too much alcohol, some of those kind of things. Um, showed me that I was pretty much off track and that, you know, all the money that I was earning was going on spending um, to maintain this sort of lifestyle that uh, I thought I had to have to be successful. Yeah, and to be happy. Totally, yeah, and it certainly wasn't making me happy. It was uh, making me sad or what I like to call in smart girls, um, heading me and landing me with a sort of permanent paid parking position in the downside. (laughs) 
<laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. So you had the warning signs, but then things got worse from there, didn't they? What happened next? They did. I mean, there was a cluster cluster of screw-ups that happened in, in my relationship at the time. In my work, I was being succumbed to some pretty hectic bullying at a large organisation and, um, and, you know, just some really bad health problems that saw me have nowhere near enough energy to, to do what I needed to do and to, you know, before I got in my car in, in, in the morning to go to the office, I, I used to cry a lot and sort of not really know what to do next, to be honest, and not knowing what life could look like but just knowing that this just wasn't sustainable anymore because I was just really sick. Yeah. And then I heard a, a really lovely podcast interview that you did recently um, where you spoke about you ended up sort of in your mum's lap in the fetal position at one stage, didn't you? I did. And that's sort of after, you know, many, many years of being the proverbial frog in a pot of hot water. And, you know, it starts when you're young and, and you make the first sort of sacrifice of the soul being sold a bit of a dream around this perfect career and all these amazing things that you get as a result of having a great title. And, and uh, you know, that's when the sort of strove turned on. And then gradually over the years, the more and more that I, that I put into it, the less and less I, I got out and the less I was able to actually jump out of that, that pot while I was fairly well boiling. And you know what happens to the frog, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah. So, and then what, like, what did you leave the jobs like this? Did you leave that career or what happened next? I did. Absolutely. I mean, I, um, I ended up in the fetal position in my mother's arms after, you know, a pretty extreme break, breakup and all the things health wise that go along with something like that, um, had quite a severe bout of depression and uh, literally my daily goals were making a green smoothie, making the bed and, um, and going for a walk. And that was pretty much a sort of gold star for the day. Um, and things just really evolved from there, really. Yeah. And so somewhere between that low point where you hit rock bottom and it sounds like you even found a trap door and then hit some more rock bottoms mm. uh, somewhere between there and and now like somehow you've gone from a few green smoothies and a walk to back kite surfing and doing all the beautiful energetic things that you can do yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it was a journey of, of really opening up and understanding, you know, first of all, taking a look at how I was feeling. And it got really real for me when I sat down at the beach one day and I saw these beautiful girls on Bondi, you know, looking very lethe and fabulous. And I was like, oh, I want to feel like that. And then I started to write down how I was actually feeling at the time. And I realized that I was a long way away from feeling the way I wanted to feel and so I just started taking very small action around the you know the 15 top things that I'd really screwed up in relation to you know, <laughs> boundaries and relationships and career and my gut health and my menstrual health and um, my physical and mental health and, and a whole lot of other things and just started clawing back very very slowly and building some you know solid foundations to give myself a bit of a decision-making framework to start to figure out, you know, what next, particularly on, on the career and relationship side of things. It just all comes back to happiness, doesn't it? Like so much of it, just it's all 
it all comes back to finding out what makes you happy. I think so. And I think that's so individual for everybody. Um, And for me, like, I don't think, you know, I think happiness definitely can be a choice. um, But it's one of those things where you have to continually work at it. And there's a number of components um, I've since discovered through my research that actually contribute to one's level of life satisfaction and and overall well-being. Um, Otherwise, we're sort of building on some fairly shaky exterior foundations. Yeah, tell me about this research because I saw you on, was it Sunrise a couple of days ago? And they came up with some pretty scary uh, research when that, when you guys were talking about happiness. Uh, I wrote a couple of them down. It was that only 15% of women aged 19 to 49 said that they were happy. Yeah, that that's right. right. Yeah, what, yeah. What the? I know, I know. And so, so how that all came about is, you know, a couple of years ago, um, I just through my business, I started to get very curious about whether I was alone in my mid thirties crisis of everything because. Back in those days, you really sort of just kept calm and carried on. Um, And so I really wanted to get under the skin of what was going on for women in a way that wasn't a study that was sponsored by any large organisation or any anyone that had any fixed agenda on on an outcome. So I launched a study that looked at 69 aspects of women's well-being across 2,000 women and 89 countries. And I started to discover that there was a very deep underbelly of sadness um, and dissatisfaction amongst women. And, and, you know, with the vast majority, eight in 10, like you say, believing that they're not going to achieve their potential you know, seven in 10 with a fairly hectic, persistent gut health issue. And you and I both know that oh my God. When, when something like that is amiss, you, um, your intuition as well as your mental health is, is, um, is weakened. Yeah, absolutely. Say. Absolutely. Yeah. So it was, it was a very interesting piece of research. And uh, now obviously that's out in the media and it, it's a really beautiful thing because um, I've had women contacting me saying, oh my God, thank God. I don't feel like I'm alone anymore. I can actually have this conversation with someone and this, you know, this is real what I'm feeling, even though I haven't been able to describe it myself. How did you gather the information? Did you go across like different sort of socioeconomic groups, different countries, like different demographics? Like where, where did these, who are these women that you studied? Where did they come from? Yeah, so there's, there's a statistically significant sample in the United States, the United Kingdom and Australia. Um, so they make up the majority of um, the research. The, the type of women that were targeted, they were um, executive women that were between those ages that lived um, within 50 miles of a major city. So London, Sydney, Melbourne, New York City, San Francisco um, were the key cities that were studied. And um, it looked at 69 um, agree or disagree questions relating to um, 15 major aspects of well-being. Um, and the way that the data was collected was through a um, global Facebook um, survey um, through my own website where people were um, able to answer these questions and at the end they would get their own personalised report giving them a helping hand on the areas that they needed to work on themselves. So it was a nice um, opportunity for me to be able to do the research 
at a lower cost and for people to also get some benefit out of it versus just participating in a, in a, any type of survey. I love that bit where you said it was it they have to be 50Ks near one of these major cities. So yes, that's right. Do you think living close to a city makes women more unhappy? I do. Yes, um, I do. Um, I believe that, you know, when I look deeply into the contributors of um, overall wellbeing and sustainability, um, they are um, in no particular order because I can't remember the exact order off the top <laughs> of my head because I don't have that in front of me, but um, they are community and family, close relationships, um, doing work that is um, on purpose and feeling like they are part of something that's bigger than themselves, as well as being healthy. So they were the the top things, as well as um, feeling in control of one's finances, which many people living in big cities with big mortgages and big overheads and big debts and appearances to hold up are feeling quite out of control in that in that um, aspect. So I do believe, um, based on what I've learned, that there that people that are living um, in more connected communities are um, experiencing high levels of health, well-being, and sustainability. Wow! So if we're living in like a hectic city with big financial overheads, like do we need to try harder or should we just pack up and move to the country like I did? (laughs) It's a really great question. And to be honest, something that I've been debating um, for a long time and as have many of the women that I work with, because that's where the women I work with live. They live in London, they live in San Francisco, they live in Sydney, they live in New York City. And um, all of them are facing this decision. Um, And it's a bit of a trade-off, to be honest. Like I think the perfect solution or the solution that I've seen work the best for um, women like us is um, having access to a a major city um, but being able to do contract work on their own terms in an area that they have high levels of expertise in that allows them to work, say, six to nine months a year and then travel and be in nature or doing other things like, you know, creative activities, new learning activities, courses, yoga teacher training, naturopathy, whatever they want over three months um, in a year. And that that's not for the women with families, of course, but that said, a lot of women that I've been working with with families have also um, embraced that kind of um, methodology and framework to the, to the way that they like to work. So, um, yeah, I think that seems to be the most pragmatic route um, to keep some level of financial stability as well as being able to have more time for one's well-being. I love that. Bella's secret sauce recipe for being a happy, driven woman in a city. <laughs> That's right. I mean, that, look, that's, um, that's what I've learned and that's what I've coached hundreds of women to do. Um, and that seems to be, you know, the most successful approach for many. Um, or the other tends to be um, considering um, taking a step back and working less days a week. Yeah. Um, and the other is um, working on, you know, working in their full-time role or doing that four days a week and taking a side hustle on the side and knowing that, they can build that very slowly in sustainability with the cash that they're earning from their full-time work. So, yeah, that tends to be the three scenarios that I'm finding for this segment of women that are working working the best. 
Yeah, that's such an eye-opener. Like I, I haven't seen research like this before. It's like really, this is really cool. This is really, really cool to, to and, and to be just done on women as well. So do you think women are more prone to burnout? Is this why you, you went down this path of just looking at women? I think um, at the time it was, there was a couple of factors that made me decide this and it it probably leads into the next question you might ask about my book and why perhaps I called my book Smart Girl Screw Up too. Not smart Uh, humans, no. Smart humans, no. (laughs) Well, look, I think um, it's a great question and I debated long and hard about whether I target just women and men. Um, But for the budget that I had, because this was a a self-funded study and you can imagine that, you know, this study, you know, required a lot of resources, a lot of technological resources, a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of algorithms. It was, it it was full on. So um, I knew that um, when I launched the study that I was going to start researching for a book and I knew that that book needed to be a story to support other women who were going through a similar crisis um, and be able to help them holistically make decisions that are right for them. And at the same time, I started running coaching programs for these executive women, helping them make smart decisions about what to do next with their career and help them uncover you know, more alignment in their values and things like that in relation to their work. And so it all sort of naturally just um, pulled that way. Um, but that said, I've had a lot of requests for people saying, you know, where's the smart guys screw up to book and what's happening with that and things. So I guess watch this space um, <laughs> for that in a couple of years time. Maybe. Let's see. Smart boys screw up too. <laughs> that's right. I was thinking smart guys screw up too. Maybe that's just a bit more. No, no, smart guys is good. I yeah, like. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I, I mean, in my practice, I'm similar to you. Like my clients are mostly women. It's just really interesting that, that I always wondered, is it that women burn out more or is it that women seek help for burnout more? I think, you know, and to answer your question, and I realized I didn't answer it directly, so sorry to you and sorry to all of you um, listeners. But <laughs> Not that you're I, fired, I you're fired. Oh, great. All right, let's end this up now. No, I'm joking. Um, but no, I think, look, on a more serious note, um, I do believe from the conversations that I am having with men because in the role that I do now, I do um, work with, with some men and I do tend to attract men that want to have deep conversations with me about this space because they feel safe to do so. And what I'm finding is that men are suffering um, equally, if not more than women, but in slightly different ways. So um, there are many men that that are suffering in their work. Um, They are also suffering with um, the... um, the cloud, I guess, over some of the elements of um, some recent campaigns around, um, you know, Me Too and, and all of those things where they don't, they, they may not understand their role clearly in society anymore. There's a lot of suffering and pain happening around that. Women can have their own children now. They don't necessarily need a man to procreate. They don't need a man necessarily to provide for them, um, they can have that covered as well. And so there is a lot of sadness in men about trying to understand their identity and their role in um, a world where women are um, largely biologically, physically, um, 
and uh, and financially self-sufficient. Oh, my God, some of these poor blokes must be feeling a bit redundant. Well, that's right, and I think that's actually the bigger debate. So I, I, I have a lot of empathy for men. Um, that's why you will never see me um, out in these extreme feminist um, uh, rallies and, and those kind of things because I actually don't um, believe in some of the principles of extreme feminism. Um, I think that, you know, we're here to support one another and, and we have different biological desires and, and when we are in our true feminine state, um, you know, we are procreators, we are nurturers, we are collaborators, we are carers, we are, um, we have the ability to support and nurture generations, um, and men are biologically wired to hunt, gather, create, provide, compete, win, all of those um, things. And so I think for society to be in some form of equilibrium, um, we all have to be able to balance those energies through um, our, our work and our efforts. And, and, and I think that requires a bit of rethinking. Yeah. Uh, this stuff, I find this stuff so fascinating. It really appeals to my nerdy side about <laughs> Me you know, too. Because, like, you know, it gets you back to that looking at that primal nature of, okay, like how are we, you know, how are we meant to be living? How are we wired to be living? Like what is our true nature if you strip off some of this glossy stuff on top? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, um, and, and that's some of the sort of thinking and, and searching and seeking that I've done over the last few years as I've worked with a lot of women, you know, mid-30s to mid-40s, single, and they're, you know, and very successful by all society's standards, but there is a huge deep sadness that is sitting with many of these women around this um biological desire that unfortunately myself included by the way had masked for a very long time because when I graduated university I was the first person in my family to do so and so it was largely expected to um to go and create something of myself to take that family system that I had forward and so you know it it you know, manifests over 15 to 20 years into something, if we're not careful, that is is quite masculine masked. Yeah, and sometimes those expectations hit us so hard as well. Like we, That is one thing I think is different between women and men is the women, uh, we tend to be more people pleasers and we put on that facade. And so that, that concerns me because I, I know you talk a lot about living authentically uh, how can we live authentically when we're stuck in being that people pleaser role I think it's um and it, it's really interesting because this is uh chapter one of uh smart girls screw up too um which is um it's all about being a needy bitch <laughs> <laughs> And setting uh, and and setting what I call electric fencing 101. Now, I don't mean being a needy bitch, like one of those needy bitches that, you know, women just go, oh, God, she's so needy. It's not about that at all. No, we didn't say princess. Lady. No, we no. didn't. No, we just said so. What I mean by that is um, understanding your needs and meeting your needs, okay? And um, I, I was a huge people pleaser. 
ridiculous. I was like up there, I deserved a gold medal in people pleasing. And what I realized, and this I talk about this at the end of chapter one, um, I I realized that the reason I was such a people pleaser is because of events that happened in my childhood between that um, very sensitive age of zero, between zero and seven where my beliefs were being formed and um, some events that had happened in my life personally at that time um, meant that, you know, I was really trying to please my parents so that they could be happy together and um and that turned into a people ple- people pleasing belief that had manifested in basically me doing anything that anybody ever asked of me at any time um just to make sure that I was liked and i realized that that was actually very key to unlocking my source wound which was you know i am not i, I am not worth anything i don't deserve it unless i earn it um, and earn it through the love and the, the people-pleasing aspects. And so once I started to get a handle on that very deep source wound, I was able to start to do some healing around it. And then when I was, able, when I was doing the healing, I was able to start putting boundaries around my time and my energy and what I said yes or no to and bring in that tactic that I call electric fencing 101, which is really taking that um, little word no out into the world um, in in the way that I live my life. Yeah, it's so, so, so important. And does that tie into, I know that you've spoken a lot before about be, becoming fully expressed. Yes. So is that the next step after you've put those boundaries around? It's one of the three. Um, so in Smart Girls Screw Up too, I talk about the three key principles of becoming a fully expressed leader. Um, in your own life so that you can attract other people magnetically towards you, whether that be business relationships, personal relationships, friendships, um, and you can feel authentic and sustainable in whatever you're doing. So the first piece around that is um, what I call the clarity piece, which is all about having clarity about who you are, what you want and what matters the most. And that discussion around source wound, boundaries, belief systems, vision, purpose, the way you think, the way you act, the way you behave, that all sits in that sort of first piece, which is clarity. Um, the second piece is um, is what I call connection or your inside job, which is all about manifesting energy. And this is the way that you work, Jules. You work with people to help them have enough energy yeah. um, through natrop- nat- naturopathy. Did I say that right? Is that yeah, the right pronunciation? Naturopathy. Naturopathy. Okay, awesome. Um, and so this is this is all about your energy centers or your energy centers. So I'm talking everything from your menstrual body and your menstrual health, your gut health, your you know your feminine masculine balance, your mental health, your physical health, all of those things, and being connected. Um, to what's going on in your body, mind and spirit so that you do have enough energy and vitality to meet the demands of your day. And unfortunately, like 75% of women basically told me in in the Global Wellbeing um, Report that they don't have enough energy. So how can we expect to do cool things in the world if we don't have enough energy to get out of bed? Um, so, yeah, so that's the second piece. I saw that actually that 71% of women felt like they didn't have the energy to do what they wanted to do. And I was like, that is messed up. 
it is messed up. It is, but it's, it's very understandable. You know, if you're working a high stress job and it's 10 hours a day and 11 hours a day and you don't have time to fit your yoga in or your meditation or your, you know, um, you know, healthy eating or, you know, the right eating to fuel for your brain performance or your flow state or just energy states in general, then of course it's like, you know, you're, you're trying to balance on a seesaw with the incredible Hulk sitting at one end, which is all the pressures and demands <laughs> on your life and an apple on the other. And we all know that, you know, what's going to win out here. Um, eventually something will, something will break and it will be your health. And, um, and you know, if it hasn't happened to you as yet, if you, if what we're saying is resonating to you, believe that the universe will kick your ass so hard if you don't listen to yep. the signs and look after yourself. So that's the sort of second piece of, of what I talk about as a critical foundation to being a fully expressed leader. Uh, the third is what I call confidence. And this is all about stepping into the catwork of your life in relation to your work, your relationships, your environment, your friendships, your play, your learning time, your creativity, all of these elements which are all about our outside expression. Um, and this is, you know, this I find, you know, many women having to make tough decisions about their relationships, around their careers, and saying, you know, like, is my CV really, really my eulogy? Like, is this the way that I want to live my life? Is this something better that's more sustainable for me so that I can um, feel more fulfilled? So that that's kind of the three elements, I guess, I talk about in Smart Girls Screw Up too that came out of off the back of my journey as well as um, the research that I did to uncover these these key 15 screw-ups and that had the biggest impact on our well-being. Love it, love it, love it. How do we let go of the guilt of putting ourselves first, especially for the mums out there? Look, I think, you know, for all those beautiful young amazing mothers that are that are dealing with um you know crying babies and sleepless nights and things like that um i think you know the key is to rally your support network start having authentic conversations with people around you in your mother's groups your parents your siblings whoever you have in your world right now and start to get quite clever with your mama bear friends and start spreading not only your truth but also leaning on each other for support um, to make sure that you at least can have a shower each day, that you can at least, you know, get out to yoga class once a week or something very, very simple in the beginning. Um, because at the end of the day, your baby your, is, is feeding off your energy and they're the very um, start of the development period of your baby's beliefs. So, if, if we want to have healthy babies that grow into healthy women and men, um, we need to be looking after ourselves um, so that, that they can have that potential in their lives as well. Yeah, and you were saying before also that a lot of our beliefs are formed between what the ages of zero and seven, right? So if you've got kids under seven around, then what's the example that you want to be giving them about what self-care is? A hundred percent. And I know, like, I've just come back from, um, I just saw you in Byron a couple of, Yay! I think it was two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, I spent, I spent an evening with, um, and a night and a morning with a girlfriend of mine who has a brand new baby who's 
very, very little. Um, and, you know, she's, she's an incredible woman. She's doing an amazing job of um, rearing this beautiful little boy. And, you know, she's so um, aware of her self-care that she's built it into her life, the location that she lives, the support network she has around her to basically reach for support when she needs it so she can get out and go to that yoga class or have that massage. And that's the way that she's decided to um, be able to do it. And it's accessible to anyone. It's not about money here. It's about, you know, the ability to set yourself up well for that, for that journey and that experience. Yeah, I think it's also a willingness to change your beliefs around a situation as well. Totally, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And ask yourself, I think around the guilt question, when that guilt sort of kicks in, ask yourself whether that guilt is um, empowering you to be a better mother, a better example, um, or is it making you feel worse? And if the guilt is empowering you, use it as a tool to continue your growth and development. If it is um, making you feel worse, then you know that that's not healthy and that um, it's time to reach out and tell someone that, that you, you need a bit of a helping hand and there's no shame in that. Oh, that is the best advice. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. That's why I keep you around on this podcast. <laughs> That's, so cool. That's why we didn't fire you earlier. No. Oh, thanks, <laughs> oh I just, I, I could, I would love to chat with you all day, but we can't because you have other interviews to give and kite surfing to do, I'm sure. So, uh, look, can you please tell everybody where they can find this amazing book of yours? It's just about everywhere. I think I saw it at an airport. So therefore it must be everywhere, right? Yeah, absolutely. So for everyone listening in Australia, hello. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast and some of the wisdom that I've been sharing. And if you have and it resonates, I'd uh, love you to, to head on into your local bookstore. So um, pretty much wherever you are, um, Smart Girls Screw Up 2, The No Nonsense Guide to Creating a Life You Want, um, will be there. Um, in the personal development or motivation section. Uh, Dimix, QBD, bookstores, Newslink at all airports, Big W across the country. I think it's going in there this week. Um, online, amazon.com.au, uh, booktopia.com.au, Amazon in the USA, Amazon in the UK, Barnes & Noble in the US, Bowl in the Netherlands, Wherever you are, you can get it. Um, so um, thank you um, for, for the opportunity to share that with you. And it's quite cool because it does include that little life audit uh, freebie as part of the book. So you can go in when you buy your copy and go and do that life audit 69 question Q&A and you'll get a personal report. And awesome. you'll be able to – sorry, I'm going to cough. <coughs> Excuse me, everyone. You'll be able to – um, use that in conjunction with your book as the guide to what to do next. Love it. Now, darling, before we let you go, if someone's out there listening who feels stuck, who can see burnout approaching, but perhaps she's like a deer in the headlights right now, what's one thing you can say to her today to help to move her forward? 
I think um, what you need to do immediately is book a holiday if you can. Yeah. <laughs> um, I hear Byron's nice. <laughs> I hear Byron's nice, totally. So I recommend space is the most important thing that you can get around um, around um, any mental, physical or spiritual well-being challenge that you have. Um, so book a small holiday, even if it's a weekend getaway. Um, disconnect yourself from um, your devices and connect and dial in yourself to nature and then write a list. Um, I think it's a really good thing to do is just to start by writing a list of how you've been feeling and how you want to feel and what you believe some of the triggers are that have sought you to feel the way that you feel. Take my book with you, go through it. And then make some decisions about how you want to live your life going forward and uh, start making small baby steps to look after yourself in, in the tiniest ways, whether that's making a green smoothie, skipping out of work on time one day a week to do something you love or go to yoga class and, uh, and start by making small baby steps or if you feel like you're in a financial position to take a sabbatical, I recommend that too. Um, and if you're not, no worries. Um, be small, start small, and um, and make some positive choices for your well-being. Because at the end of the day, that's all you've got. Yep. Love it. Very, very wise words indeed. Thank you so much, Bella, for spending that precious time with us today. I really appreciate it. And I know that our listeners today are going to appreciate it too. So good luck with the book launch. Big love to you. Thanks, gorgeous. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed that juicy interview with Bella Zanesco. I really think it's been one of my favorite interviews to date. So I hope you agree too. Now, I have something really cool to announce. I have a new mini program coming up. It's called Love Your Adrenals and it starts on February the 5th. It's a seven-day kickstart to get you back on track to feeling happy, healthy and energized with a kick-ass meal plan that's simple, nourishing and downright yummy. Plus, daily emails with self-care, mindfulness exercises and lifestyle hacks to get you on the path to feeling amazing and energized again. If you found yourself stuck in a rut, especially after all the shenanigans of Christmas and school holidays. Maybe you're eating things that aren't good for you. Maybe you swore this would be the year to make your own health a priority rather than putting everyone and everything else first. Then join me. We start on February the 5th and it's going to be heaps of fun. You can find more details now over at julesgalloway.com. Just look for the headline that says, Love Your Adrenals. Okay, see you in a couple of weeks with another awesome interview. I've already recorded it actually, so let me just say it's an absolute perler. In the meantime, stay shiny and bye for now. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter, The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.